Final Boy Status is a podcast about scary movies and the stuff that happens in them. The entire horror genre is generally frightening and disturbing. So if you're a kid, be sure to ask your parents if it's okay for you to listen. Or don't. You'd probably be cooler if you didn't ask for their permission. But then again, I won't tell you how to live your life. Also, we will be discussing spoilers during this podcast, so don't say we didn't warn you. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Final Boy Status. We have a very special treat for you, as this is our holiday episode, as it's close to Christmas time. So, as always, well, not as always, because sometimes I'm your host, but I am your host for this episode. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Can we take it again, please? I just hit my mic. No, you're doing a great job. Okay. You're fan of everything. I mean, like, oh man, this guy's blowing it. No, <laughs> straight out the gate. I, I, it, it was me. It was all me. Continue. No, you're you're perfect, Adam. But I yeah, want to know. Like, uh, I I'm your host for this episode, Lance and Lappin. <clears throat> as always, and this is as always. This isn't just me saying as always when it's not really a fact. But I am joined by Mr. Luke Howder, the great Mr. Luke Howder. Yeah, I'm a magician, which you may not know. I I only I will be referred to only as the Great Luke Howder from now on. I learned one card trick on a on a weird website that definitely gave my computer a virus. <laughs> Close up Magic University. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and the amazing and very talented Mister Adam Bone. Hey, everybody! I'm sick as shit today feel awful but we're gonna do this i'm excited so if i look like i'm i'm dying i i kind of am this could be my last episode <laughs> if it's his last not to be episode, dramatic everyone's last episode yeah, no guys the show the must time. go on go on without me in a stunning twist of events all three of us get sick with the same disease within three days of each other and we all pass away <laughs> ebola <laughs> yeah the most common of how the most common cancer illnesses <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> ebola oh man what can i say i was drinking a big old jar of ebola and apparently that makes you super sick i thought it was apple juice classic blunder <laughs> i reached my hand out and the bottles were too close to each other i, <laughs> I was working in the lab last <laughs> week <laughs> Working in the lab late last night, had a jar of Ebola <laughs> next to a jar of apple juice, and I just got a little confused. <laughs> As one normally does. Oh, goodness. This is fun. All right. So back to our episode that we have for you. We are very glad that you're here. In case this is your first time listening in or you haven't listened in a while, we the name of our podcast is Final Boy Status. We're all about just having fun as friends doing Oftentimes what probably all of you at home do where, you know, you watch a movie with your friends. You're like, oh, I could have done that better or I would have survived that situation if I had done that. So basically, um, all we're doing is just kind of talking about the survivability of horror movies. 
um, just as three average Joes and, and seeing where we fare when it comes to, to getting through a horror movie. So that is the podcast in a nutshell. Um, so <laughs> we can't, we can't be talking in the chat and trying to do hey, the podcast at the same time. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> We're kind of giddy. We haven't seen each other in a second. I know we have all this, we have all this pent up energy. We're back. The most average of Joe's. That was the, the most, train you were on. Yes. The most average of Joe's. And this episode's movie that we are going to be covering is black Christmas. So yes. Luke, you are the research man. Let's go around. So why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about the movie and maybe why, yes. why it's in the lineup. Yeah, I, I chose this movie. Um, and to be specific, because there are like, I think there are three different versions of this movie. Um, I did specifically pick the one from 1974, not the one from 2006, not the one from 2019, specifically uh, 1974. So yeah, last year for Christmas, we did Krampus and we wanted to do another Christmas episode this year. We knew right away we wanted to. And I mean, I felt like this was like the big one, like, if we didn't talk about this, what were we even doing? Uh, there are those who who say that this movie started the slasher subgenre of horror because this is 1974. This is predates Halloween, predates Friday the 13th. There are a lot of movies we'll probably compare it to, um, but this movie was first for the most part. I mean, you know, there are arguments to be made for other movies starting the slasher sub subgenre, but uh, this movie just the DNA of a slasher is so deeply in this movie. And because slashers are like our bread and butter, I was like, if we don't take a Christmas episode to talk about this movie, what are we even doing? You know? Uh, so yeah, I was just excited to jump into this because we love paying homage to like the classic movies that have made horror what it is today. And I feel like to do a Christmas episode and not mention this movie would be, just completely blind of us like to overlook this would be stupid so i had to sneak it into the lineup very nice very nice so as we uh kind of get through the beginning of our show something that we like to do um is just kind of dissect the movie a little bit talk about um just from a general sort of perspective uh how we liked it uh what we would rate it as well as a spookiness uh, aspect to our rating two separate ratings, both out of 13. So, you know, Adam, I shall start with you and just kind of ask you, looking at the movie just through a general perspective, what is your rating of it? Um, I'm so glad I get to go first. It means I can cover everything and steal everyone else's ideas out of the gate, which is great. I, uh, yeah, I think this movie was pretty awesome. I liked it a lot. Uh, I didn't know what I was expecting. I knew it was obviously uh from the 70s and it was a slasher movie so but um <clears throat> it was uh it was good i think it was way one thing that i that caught me off guard it was way funnier than i was expecting it to be um i think like movies like halloween uh friday the 13th are scary movies and they like attempt humor a little bit but it doesn't always like it's not what the focus of the movie one is. But I think I'm leaving this movie really remembering the humor and the funny characters. And, and it was very strong. And I loved it. I loved that whole 
stick with I, I forget everybody's name in this movie for some reason. I know the main girl's name's Jess, everybody else I don't remember. But the like the uh the uh house mother, I forgot her oh, name. Mrs. Mac. Mrs. Mac, yes. her whole shtick where she's finding the alcohol in different places. And it, it was just it was very comical. I loved it. Um this we're not talking about scariness sorry we're not talking about scariness yet but uh to add that to the quality of the movie it was very scary there's some very creepy things going on um i think if i could point out a negative i think it overuses some of its uh spooks for example the point of view shot which you can totally tell movies like halloween friday the 13th really uh, pulled from and got inspiration from um, but there was a really long takes with this point of view and after a little bit I just got really tired of hearing like the <sighs> like the really over crazy <laughs> you know this guy's got heart problems sort of breathing <laughs> going on and also the phone calls the first few were really scary the sounds in it but there were like five or six phone calls where you know the guy was going crazy and saying different voices and um, that was it was just a little over the top for me to to get the same scary things one after another. And after like, you know, the third or fourth time, I'm like, OK, it's not scary anymore. Um, but that being said, I think uh, it was still very strong. It's a movie I think I'll want to return to because there's and we'll probably get to this. There's a lot of ambiguousness when it comes to the killer and, and to what's going on, which was really fun. And I kind of want to rewatch it to see if I can pinpoint any more else, anything else that was really happening you know so i'm gonna give it a, a 9.5 out of 13 that was really good um really simple i love how it just got to the action the very beginning showed the guy going into the house and and we didn't waste any time so i loved it i, I thought it was a great movie very nice and mr mr howder what uh what is your general opinion of the movie at a 13 uh i i generally speaking i i I think it's really enjoyable. I, I really have to agree with Adam on almost every point. I genuinely don't know if I have anything new to say, Sorry, <laughs> which is horrifying. Um, what I will say is I think what well, maybe something Adam didn't highlight, but I actually really appreciate in this movie. Uh, okay. Well, something he did highlight is obviously the humor. I, it, there isn't a joke in this movie that actually doesn't land for me. Um, at least not one that comes to mind immediately. And for horror really movies, solid. especially, yeah, horror movies, especially horror movies from like the 70s and 80s, it's easy to have jokes that don't land. Um, and we talk a lot about how you want your characters to be likable, and the characters in this movie are so likable. Like, um, uh, I, I mean, uh, Barb in particular, who is uh played by Margot Kidder a few years before she was Lois Lane, like it is impossible not to love her from like minute one when she's like lying to her mom and she's like, I'm going skiing with my friends and then hangs up the phone. is like, who wants to go skiing? <laughs> like, it's so um, like the characters are so likable. Mrs. Mack is very charming. You know, she's uh, and there is a, there is a, like, I think when you make a Christmas horror movie, you have to try and pay homage to the Christmas end of things and something this movie gets right is like there has to be fun in a Christmas movie. And this movie, like when it stops to be fun is really fun, but it's also not afraid of being like pretty horrifying. Um, 
I don't know if this is a movie I would call super scary, but it does. It is really disturbing. And like Adam said, the phone calls are just like hard to listen to. They're just, just really terrible. Um, one thing I will point out too is like, uh, this is directed by Bob Clark, who I actually should have done more research on. I don't really know what else is in that guy's filmography. Um, but from what I remember, he wasn't necessarily somebody who directed a lot of horror. And I was really impressed with um, his, with like his directorial hand in this movie. Um, I mean, that first kill when the guy's hiding in her closet and it does like that zoom in on his face behind the plastic. It's super creepy. Yeah. All of the shots of like the light just mm -hmm. on his eye. There's of course, Barb's death is really sad because the character Barb's so great, but it's also like so creepy and beautiful, like with a glass unicorn coming down and like the shadows covering his face, except for his eye cut between like the kids singing the Christmas hymns. Uh, like this is very competently directed. Uh, I mean, I think I still like Halloween a little more and it, John Carpenter's direction and that I would probably say is a little better. But again, considering this is a guy who I don't think is really known for horror, I think you really can't compliment his work here enough. It's really tremendous, especially for the budget and what it did. And I think there's a tastefulness to actually how little like violence is in the movie. Like the movie's very disturbing, but there's very little actual violence shown. And I actually have some respect for that. I think it's... Uh, it, it weirdly elevates this movie, the fact that you don't see much. Uh, so I, I, I will compliment all of that and then try to, <laughs> hopefully I've said something Adam didn't and we will pass it along to Lance in here to close us out. To oh, add yes. a note to that though, uh, I looked it up and the director was also the director of A Christmas Story. So the dude is, has made Christmas movies. Really? So I don't know. I think that just adds to your point of he's... He's got both sides. He's got the Christmas what? and the Halloween side, or not the Halloween side, the spooky side. Spookiness. So just a thought that it kind of adds to your point. Really, really strong direction. Wow. That's, That's crazy, crazy, man. That's nuts. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Blew my mind. Oh, man. You'll she shoot your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You done a Christmas movie before? You could say that. Uh, yes, I did do a movie that took place during Christmas and it did have Christmas in the title. So, yes, <laughs> of course I did. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will uh, I'll try to say something original and uh, try to come up with something real, uh, real saucy over here. Um, but, yeah, I I did enjoy this movie, I think, especially when you think of early slasher movies. Um, something that I like to think about is the rewatchability, because. I think that's always fun in a movie is like being able to go back and revisit it. I think for some where it's like nightmare on Elm street or like Friday the 13th, I'm like, yeah, I watched it the one time and I'm good, but this is actually a movie that I would be very open to watching again, just because Adam brought up the great point of the ambiguity that's throughout the film of just, you know, who's the killer, what happens in the end. Um, you know, and Luke, you brought up a really good point about, a lot of it being less is more with uh, the kills that you don't necessarily see them. And it kind of leaves you to have time to imagine that and to kind of play around with it in your mind, which is fun. 
Um, and yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of expectations going into this movie. Um, so I really didn't expect the comedy aspect and the dynamic. I just, I really enjoyed the dynamic of the characters as they're talking, you know, it felt like, you know, actually how people who live together and who, you know, are in each other's lives and are friends would talk to one another rather than just like, I am a writer. So let me, this is what people talk like, you know? Yeah. So I, I felt like that was really strong and yeah, definitely there's um, there is quite a bit of suspense and action in this movie to keep you engaged, to keep you going. Um, so yeah, I think out of 13, my general score, I would give this an eight an eight out of 13. Oh, I might've forgot to, I might've forgot to score it. Yeah. (laughs) Whoopsie. Oh, you're good. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a a nine out of 13. So I'm going to kind of ride the line between the two of you. Uh, I I also want to point out real quick, something that I found out while I was researching this movie that I thought was really funny. So there's the character in the movie, uh, Phil, I think is the character's name. She's played Mm -hmm. played by uh, Andrea Martin, who was in SCTV, which is why I know who she is. Um, But I did read online that apparently it was written in the script, but the studio made them cut the scene that confirmed it, that the character of Phil is uh, bisexual. And the really funny part about watching this movie is the whole, like from like second one, I clocked her and I was like, she's a little, she's, she's bisexual (laughs) like you can tell immediately (laughs) and adding to what lanson said about like the realism of this movie um and that they acted like people actually acted i want to shout out her performance real quick the fact that it didn't have to be said nobody had to explicitly call it out but from moment one i was like this person likes men and women (laughs) really says something about the realism of this movie and like the dynamic of that so yeah, I, I know we have like a solid LGBT plus audience who likes our podcast. So if you like looking for horror movies with representation, Phil, I really liked in this movie. It just, like I said, from moment one, I was like, there's like, I think in just like the opening montage, there's a moment where she's talking to Jess and just like leaning in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, she's kind of into Jess. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's, it's just like small stuff like that, like the authenticity we can pick up on. And this movie has that in spades, which I enjoyed. Absolutely, my man. Um, so yeah, this is kind of where we shifted more towards just exclusively giving our rating on spookiness. So Adam, why don't we start with you again? Out of 13, out of a spookiness, how would you rate this movie? Yeah, I thought this movie was a lot scarier than I thought it was going to be. I think, uh, like we've already talked about, the phone calls were really scary. I think a lot of the sound effects and the sound um, was one of the highlights as far as scariness of the movie. Um, The direction was phenomenal. I loved, again, I think both the, point of view and the the phone calls were a little overused but i thought they were great as they were happening and um there's a lot of scenes i'm trying to think of one specifically um yeah i don't know my mind kind of went blank but there's a lot of scenes where the camera is just doing a lot of the work for the storytelling um i think this movie uh i'm i don't know I think the scariness does come from just a couple of things it does. And it really relies heavily on those things. And um, obviously this is probably a debatable thing. I don't think anything outside those were really added too much to the scariness. There was a good ambiance, um, but 
anyways, I think I'm going to go a little lower for the scariness and give it like a 6.5. I thought it was solidly scary for a slasher movie. Slasher movies usually don't scare me that much. This one did a pretty good job. Uh, But yeah, relied on on just kind of the two things to to bring the scariness a little too much. I didn't explore a whole lot else. Very nice. And Luke, what is your rating of scariness out of 13 for this movie? Uh, This is sort of a complicated answer for me because I realized while watching this movie, um, I had seen this movie before a while back and I've seen the 2006 Black Christmas, which is like a pretty faithful remake of this movie. Obviously, like some things changed, but um, and I realized when I sat down to watch this movie that I had taken some of the stuff I liked because I, I kind of wrote off the 2006 one. I didn't like it at all. Uh, I didn't like it very much, I should say. I realized while watching this for the podcast that anything I did like about the 2006, I must have just mentally assigned it to 74. So I could say 2006 is a garbage movie with nothing interesting. And 1974 is like perfect. So I, I did have kind of a weird thing where there was stuff that I really, that I liked about the 2006 movie that I had assigned to this movie. And then watching it, I was like, Oh, that wasn't scary. I thought this happened or that or this happened. So I had kind of a weird, my rating I feel like is not going to be good to base your assumptions off of because I was expecting things out of this movie that didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, Because again, I had just, my brain had just crossed wires and I had put things in one circle that didn't belong there. Um, So watching it through this movie at the end of it, my rating was going to be a four for scariness. Uh, I do think the phone calls all really are creepy and I don't like them and they make me uncomfortable, but I do think Adam makes a good point that they, the first phone call is like at an 11 and then all of them are, and it would have been more interesting if we see the phone calls start creepy and end terrifying, but instead they're all just terrifying. Um, The point of view shots, I think, uh, I think they they're effective in this story for me for the most part. I think there are a couple that they could have removed and would have been for the better. Um, I will say specifically the thing that I kind of moved from 2006 to this was in 2006, the deaths are a lot gorier. And so with this movie, I didn't remember there being as many off screen deaths as there were. Uh, I, so I think I was a little bit bummed out that there were so many off screen deaths in this movie. Uh, even if it doesn't show a lot, like, Obviously, I remembered Barb's death because I feel like that's the one we see the most of. And you don't really see anything. There's very little blood. There's no gore. But like I, I watching it this time, I felt a little bummed out that we didn't get more scenes like that that were really cool. You saw a lot of what was happening, but you didn't have to go all in on the gore or blood. You know, there was just enough left to the imagination. Um, So I was kind of like hoping it would be more like that and i forgot that it wasn't so i think my score is probably not a great one to base it off base your ex- your expectations off of but for me it landed at, a, at about a four very nice yeah i something that i kind of keep in mind as well for my scariness rating here is just kind of 
putting myself in the shoes of somebody in 1974 watching this in the movie theater for the first time as compared to me in 2021. Um, just because, you know, I've, I've kind of been introduced to the whole slasher thing and I've seen a couple movies, but, you know, I think it's really worth mentioning that, you know, if this is 74 and this is kind of not really a mainstay of horror that you go in and you see this type of a film, it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> I'm sure that would be a much, uh, much scarier experience. Yeah. I think something I really like about this movie and something I find very scary is the killer staying in one place and always being just around and being able to watch in. And even when you're, and I, I, we'll get into this a little bit later, but just when you're like, even talking to people or like you're formulating plans, he's like there and listening in and you have no idea, I think is a very scary um, premise to be working with. I think um, as far as like the point of view shots, I think, I think they work. I, I do find them a little bit funny at times when it's like he's breathing real heavy. It can kind of take me out of it a little bit. Um, but yeah. And then the phone calls, I think what would have been cool is like, even if you can't hear the audio and you're just getting the reaction, then slowly by just little by little, you're getting um, from the reaction of the person getting the phone call to actually being able to hear the audio, I think would be, would have been a better direction to go in for me personally in my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, this is definitely, this <laughs> for is personal definitely reasons for personal reasons. Lanson would have also scripted less C words. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. Uh, to your point, something interesting I did read online though, was that uh, the actors had something written in the script for the phone calls and that mm. the audio was put in later. So um, on set, they, they had something written in the script that they were supposed to be hearing on the phone. And then the director later put in something like way more upsetting than what they were expecting to be on the phone. Oh, geez. <laughs> and having read that before I watched the movie, I thought there was something really interesting about how, like, you're kind of feeling like, are these girls underreacting to this phone call at the beginning? And you realize like the director did that on purpose and it adds a weird nuance of like, they're so used to people doing this to them that this isn't that noteworthy to them. Like right. it isn't until somebody goes missing that they're like, all right, maybe we should tell someone about these phone calls. Like there was something really creepy about that, but it's, it's funny that you mentioned this specifically their reactions. Cause they are not at all reacting to what we hear. They're reacting to something entirely different and way less like disturbing apparently. Gotcha. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, so I would give this, I'll give this a five out of 13. I thought it was a, an intense and enthralling movie and scary in places, but not one that I'm like, okay, I need to like sleep with the night light on, you know, I still do that anyway, just cause I'm afraid of the dark, but you know, it's just a personal thing. This. It's a personal you thing. Know, you know, you know, I'll be, um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit of our, uh, reviews and just kind of a little bit of the generalness of the movie. Now let's get into a little bit more of the uh, the meat and potatoes here of the podcast. Potatoes, um, the taters, taters, bananas, bananas. But yeah, usually at this point of the show, we like to talk a little bit about our killer, kind of talk about the antagonist of the film, what strengths, what weaknesses, what we think overall of the killer, and just kind of have a general discussion about that. So. Why don't we just open it up and uh, 
maybe talk about the strengths and weaknesses and what we think about the killer of this movie. I think like I mentioned earlier, it's I'm excited to hear you guys' thoughts because there's a lot of ambiguity with the killer and there's probably some backstory things sprinkled throughout that I totally missed. But for the most part, <clears throat> we don't really know 100% who it is. We have some ideas that there's definitely some mental issues going on. Um, obviously, the killer is not totally aware of of exactly what he's doing because he keeps uh, calling people by a different name. He calls his vic- victims Agnes, and he keeps using the name Billy. And so there's there's a disconnect be- with reality there, which is always kind of a scary thing. And I think that is adds to the unpredictable nature of him that there really isn't a motivation or a uh, there isn't a malice against these characters, at least from what I could tell it, it seems like they were just happened to be the house he decided to go to and all his stuff has nothing to do with them. So nothing they do or who they are or what's going on really affects that. He's just going to still kill them. And I think there's something scary about that. I think that's also a, um weakness too because i think if you're insane and have don't have a good grip of reality i I think you're you're probably obviously a little louder uh you don't really care like i you may not be aware people are trying to look for you um so i don't know those are the kind of the big things that popped out to me initially i feel like uh and this is something that i find really scary about the movie i was going to bring it up when we were talking about scares but i decided it was better suited here is um you know as much about the killer at the end of this movie as you know about them at the beginning which i think is one scary for as like from a movie perspective there's a version of this movie where that feels lazy and i don't think it feels lazy in this movie um but i will say it's frustrating in this section to talk about the killer because we really don't know anything um again i've seen the 2006 one where they write in more backstory for the killer and i had assigned some of that to this movie but again watching it it's not there like i thought it was um so i don't know how much to say because we should probably be taking this movie just as just on this movie we shouldn't bring in anything extracurricular um so i will say like the one thing that I think we can count on though, is that uh, there's nothing supernatural about this guy. I don't think we're ever at any point in time expected to believe he's supernatural. I think he's just very lucky and is able to keep them running in circles long enough that he does his thing before anybody can really stop him. So I will point out the like one he's, he is crazy, like Adam said, but also I don't think there's any reason to believe that he is like more physically capable than an average person would be. I agree um, with that. The the yeah, like the the views we get of him is he's uh you know a late he he's probably about college aged like the girls. He's kind of skinny. He doesn't look too formidable. Uh. So I think, again, there's like when we talk about the original Halloween with like Mikey Myers, part of like what's interesting about him is like you probably could just take him out like this guy isn't like Michael Myers and that people are people refuse to do the, you know, the the double shot. Uh, what, what did we call it? The double tap. 
double tap yeah people don't so it it's less that with this guy and more just he keeps them confused and running in circles long enough that he's just getting away like uh so i don't think i think that's something to bring up is that when it comes to a one-on-one confrontation i don't think this guy is like a randy savage or anything i think i think you could take him down pretty easy wouldn't need a leg drop to take him out you know yeah you don't need to be spider-man to take this guy out (laughs) definitely no mikey myers (laughs) (laughs) he's no mikey myers um probably a probably got kicked out of the gym because he tried to outlive michael myers and that's why he went to the sorority crying <laughs> as he's climbing up like the garden wall in the opening <laughs> michael said i couldn't lift with him he said if the bar wasn't bending i'm just pretending i guess i'm just pretending <laughs> oh man but yeah i would agree a lot with what's been said you know this is just an average guy well not an average guy but this is just a human being i <laughs> should you, say not an average about? person what are you talking about lance most people are like this right yeah you know you, you have a couple brain calls, things get out of hand, you end up rocking a dead body in a rocking chair. It's all, you know, it's all part of the plan, all part of stuff that happens to regular Just goofy time people. Guys being dudes. Just dudes <laughs> being gays. I, it's so lucky that they didn't cast me in this movie because if I was bag <laughs> over her head girl, every shot would be me like... <laughs> oh, man. That's... uh. Zoolander's new look. Call it Rigamortis. Rigamortis, ascent for men coming this fall. <laughs> oh man! But yes, he is just a human being. Nothing supernatural about him. Um, yeah, I think honestly, he just has the element of surprise. People don't know, like they don't know there's a killer in in the house until like it's too late and he's right there, and you know. Like uh, Mrs. Mack in the attic. She's like, oh, no, there's a killer meat hook. You know, so I think he's just got that. That is a big thing going for him is kind of just the element of surprise in him. Just fortunately being in the right place at the right time and others being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, yeah, I don't think there's. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of method to his madness. It's just kind of. I mean just kind of lashes out goes back to his lair and then yeah gets on with business as usual i think with that go ahead luke Uh, i was gonna say maybe and this is like pure guesswork on my part but like maybe the most we could say about him is that he seems territorial like once he sets up Mm -hmm. in that attic and like the movies and i the movie's pretty ambiguous about like where he was before he was in the attic maybe he always lived in the attic he's just a classic attic baby um Mm -hmm. a classic attic baby but um i do think maybe an extrapolation you can make is that he's territorial like sure he feels deeply that this house belongs to him they are intruding upon his house therefore they deserve to die um so maybe that's a route maybe you know you leave his territory alone he's uninterested in you or maybe even that wouldn't work. Who knows? You know, maybe he's like a Michael Myers. He goes out hunting, comes back to look in the mirror. So it's like, I, I that's maybe one thing you could extrapolate. Is this is a territory thing? He feels ownership over this house for some reason. I think to kind of add to what Lanson was saying, where 
a lot of this is just being at the right place or the wrong place at the wrong time. But in his perspective, people being in the right place at the right time, there's a lot of luck that goes that's involved into him not getting caught. I think uh, there's some POV shots where he's like just out of the the view of someone doing something, um, especially one I could think specifically when Jess is helping Barb out and she's helping her with the inhaler. And then it kind of has that point of view shot of him looking in or something like that. And I'm like, you know, what if she was like, oh, I'm going to get you some water, turns around and goes out the door. We've never he's kind of like a Michael Myers where we've never seen this guy go quick. He like is a very slow moving down the hallway. I mean, maybe he can scurry, but I think the fact that he isn't seen and all the hallways are really small and there's there's places to hide for sure. But I don't know. I think that goes down to a lot of luck. I don't think there's a ton of method to his madness. I think he was just kind of lucky. I think there could have been moments where he could have been seen and maybe he would have killed those people because he still had surprise, but it never really happened. But I think in real life, uh, that is a huge weakness that, I don't know, you could only be live in the attic and kill people throughout the house for so long before um, someone sees you and finds out what's going on. So it's kind of a miracle that didn't happen, in my opinion. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, and this might be bridging over into like character decisions too early, but like um, the first girl that he kills is Claire. Claire. Claire yep. And what happens with her is she goes up to her room and then nobody sees her again. Um, and I get that there's ambiguity there of like, maybe she left and nobody noticed. Um, but like, that front door especially you know they work in really neatly that it's jammed and it's hard to open i feel like that's noticeable if somebody leaves right that's gonna um, make some noise in the night so i feel like maybe there should have been a conversation of at least from the cops like okay she's missing what if somebody took her did they take her from her room and then they do an investigation of the house find a dude friggin' living in the attic um <laughs> I, I and like I said, this might be branching into character decisions a little too early, but like it's a great surprise in this movie. And I want to point out that it's an overused trope now. And I don't know what like I think it was an urban legend thing. I don't think this is the first movie that did it, but this movie does have the the calls are coming from ins- from inside the house. It does have that twist, which I think we're like we kind of saw it coming, but like probably back in the day that was a cooler twist i don't know um we're too used to it now that we're we're so we're such jaded assholes we're like oh they're coming from inside the house are they are they okay you're you telling me hey come on you're telling me you're telling <laughs> me right now these calls were inside the house shocking um but i i think um with an outside perspective, if I'm on the police force, maybe the first order business is like, well, the last place she was seen was a room. Let's have a look around the house, see if there's a way a person could get in an abductor, um, make sure these other girls are safe, <laughs> be real awkward if all these girls died. So I, uh, and, and again, like, obviously they're setting up uh, Mr. Anti-Abortion, whatever his name is, Obviously, they're setting him up as like a straw man, but uh, I think the main thing that makes them think that is there is a call where 
Billy. Billy's how he's referred to like in the credits and stuff. So we'll call him Billy. Um, Billy like repeats something that uh, Peter had said. The thing about like removing a wart, right? And that makes Jess and the cop be like, oh, it's probably Peter. But I feel like you should also stop for a second and be like, or he was in the house and heard that. Like, I feel like just speaking from like a mind of curiosity and somebody, I'm a person who likes science and stuff. My first inclination isn't like, obviously the most obvious answer is probably the correct answer, but like, maybe there's other alternatives. Have a look around the house, see if somebody could have got in. Like, it's not hard to find a freaking addict boy, a freaking attic boy. It shouldn't be that hard. So I really ranted there for a second. Sorry, guys. Oh, you're good. You're good, man. I'm now that you mentioned that, I'm just having this funny mental image of who clogged the toilet. And then the camera just pans <laughs> up to a, like a square to toilet eye- paper. <laughs> <laughs> just a piece of toilet paper going up the attic door as it closes, gets caught. <laughs> as it closes, you see his one eye. That shot they kept doing in the movie of his one eye. It's just that in the crack as the door closes <laughs> and the toilet paper like kind of getting like just slowly like coming up through the crack of the door. Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, man. You you make a good point though. It's like, hey, the basement, the attic. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody in there. Let's hey, sweep also- the entire house before sending out a whole search party, you know? Like that's You're- right. I'm totally there with you. You're making another great point, which is this guy was a hundred percent shitting in their toilet, right? <laughs> no, and they're like and nobody noticed. It was like, oh, Claire, man, she could really crack porcelain. Tell you what, he. Uh, here's another thing that kind of goes with the phone calls and adds to this. In all living in a. Night. What was that? I'm crying. I'm saying, just in the middle of the night, they just hear someone ripping ass in the bathroom. And they're like, must be Mrs. Mac. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Mac, what a nasty beast. <laughs> Just in the other room, he's like, come on, Billy. <laughs> and they're like, wow, somebody had a somebody had too many nachos tonight. <laughs> Oof. Adam's not humored by this but i'm crying i find it very funny it is funny <laughs> they catch this guy by his bathroom pattern <laughs> <laughs> we picked up your scent bro you got your musky man well we told the cops that every night at 1 30 a.m somebody was dropping a massive deuce in the toilet <laughs> and so they just staked out the bathroom at one in the morning and there he was <laughs> Just buckshot while he's on the toilet. <laughs> you got some on the walls, man. Put him in the shower, hose him off before we take him down to the precinct. This guy's an animal. Jeez, he needs help more than he doesn't just need a freaking psychologist. He needs like freaking gastroenterologist, man. What's up with are, that? You guys are gonna need an excavator. We need a priest and a blowhorn. You're gonna need one of those cat machines with the claw. <laughs> this house is unlivable now. It must be condemned. Not because oh, of sorry, Adam. 
Well, yeah, man, we steamrolled you bad on, on that on. one. Sorry. No, you're good. I I was Oof. stepping on the bit. I didn't realize the bit was still going, so that was that was my bad. I was like, I I think they're done. I don't know, but um, shit. What was I gonna say? Uh, <laughs> some about the phone calls. To, yeah, to go along with the uh, the phone calls. Yeah, the phone calls. The dude is screaming through the phone. And the fact that they don't hear through the walls is another crazy thing that (laughs) when he heard upstairs, they're like, (laughs) like the walls must be thick. He's making the phone calls from in the bathroom (laughs) on the toilet. He's like, ah, (laughs) and the fact that they didn't hear that is kind of ridiculous that she was so like, oh my gosh, over the phone. But if it was happening in the attic, they'd be like, no, that's that's happening upstairs. Like that should have been a little quicker. <clears throat> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. I can guarantee you everyone, all of my roommates can hear me right now. And I'm gonna have a lot of questions to answer. <laughs> and I wasn't and I wasn't the one yelling a C word down the phone. For real, I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. Man, that was awesome. Um, just a, yeah, just a two for one punch against Billy. You'd hear him, you'd hear him take a shit, and you'd hear him on those phone calls. I know. Like, Usually I think, probably the same time. Yeah. It's like I think the guy's in the house with us. <laughs> just an extremely long cord from Mrs. Max's room for the phone. All right. <laughs> to the bathroom. Hopefully nobody trips on this. <laughs> Can you imagine like the scene where he's like, the calls are coming from inside the house, and she like follows like a phone cord from from one room into the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just like walking along the floor, like, where does this lead? <laughs> <laughs> what is this all about? <laughs> oh man. Whew. All right. <laughs> Got like a full magnifying lens, like a detective following the phone cord. <laughs> What is this all about? Yeah, Sherlock Holmes in there, like, hmm. My dear I think Watson? it must be at the other end. <laughs> if I know phones, dear Watson. Oh man. Oh boy. Goodness gracious, that's awesome. All right. So is there uh is there anything else as far as Billy is concerned, the the killer that we wanted to bring up or talk about? Oh my gosh, we're still talking about the killer. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I forgot about that for a minute, to be honest with you. Uh, I feel like we've covered it pretty nothing. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. very nice. Well, this is usually where we transition to talking about our characters, our victims in the film. Just kind of, you know, talking about them, some of the decisions they've made, some of the decisions that we would keep, some that we would change, you know, just kind of putting our ourselves in in their shoes and figuring out the survivability. So why don't we open it up and talk about the characters and some of their choices? Luke already touched on this, but the first thing that I knew I was going to bring to the podcast, because the cops were pretty idiotic the entire movie. (laughs) I think they, they were like, they didn't listen. They were like, ah, it's probably your boyfriend. Don't worry about it. And like, I don't know. They'd say stuff like that where it's like, okay, like maybe Mm -hmm. cops would do that, but, either way it's it's just stupid and then the fact that they have this missing girl they're like all right search party let's search the town and like you guys said they never like swept the house like they're like wow there's a ladder that goes into this pretty you know this attic i think that's pretty accessible let's let's check that um 
pretty right. pretty ridiculous that even when they were checking a room, they didn't just sweep the whole house. And I feel like that should be pretty procedure. Didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. The whole time the cops were useless, and I think it's because of them many people died. So yeah. for you, cops. <laughs> Adam coming at this podcast with a strong A-cab position. <laughs> uh, In this context. Oh, I, I, I do want I do want to point out like uh I don't like they've said it wasn't on purpose, but I feel like it's pretty remarkable if it wasn't on purpose that there are some pretty like interesting like feminist under and overtones to this movie. Definitely. I mean was. the whole mm-hmm. conversation about the the abortion, first of all, like how is like the director and the actors have both been like, well, that was like a neutral thing. And I'm like, how is that not like a feminist like right. theme yeah. in a movie? But another thing I felt that was very feminist or like that felt like it was a point being made in a feminist film, which I appreciated, uh, which I thought was a powerful point to make was the fact that they try reporting it to the cops twice. And the first time they're like laughed away by that one yeah. guy. But then mm-hmm. as soon as they bring in a dude, the man speak, comes in. Yeah. They bring in that yeah. dude in the fur coat, which can we talk about Great that fur, fur coat? coat? Can we talk yeah, about that fur yeah, coat dude. for like 20 Absolutely. minutes? Absolutely. Um, but like, as soon as they bring him in, the cops were like, you're right. We should do something about this. <laughs> it was like, a, it was just the smallest moment of just like, yeah, this movie has something to say about like, toxic masculinity and like this is a feminist movie i think but yeah. apparently everybody involved is like no not really <laughs> okay yeah, not really guys mm-hmm. um so i do think like yeah the cops are, are almost like buffoonish i mean that one cop has never heard the term fellatio before <laughs> i know dude I'm he's like, like yeah it's their extension thing or whatever that was that was okay, a great man. that was a great joke i love yeah that it was <laughs> Even like the reveal where it's like, yeah, she gave it to me. Oh, she gave it to you. <laughs> like um, that'll that was a great joke, but at the same time, it's like that cop is so much of an idiot. He's never heard of fellatio. Come on, I know. He's like, yeah, it's uh, a sex thing, isn't it? You're like, yeah, okay, it's, yeah. it's dirty, isn't it? E? <laughs> Apparently, nobody in Canada knows what blowjobs are. It's yeah. They they don't believe they don't believe in it. I guess, I guess that's an American idea. <laughs> it's an American ideal that men get blowjobs. I don't know what to tell you. I think going along with the cops being stupid, another thing I thought about was like they set up a cop to like sit outside in his car, and yeah. and they're like, you can feel safe. This guy's in his car, and. I mean, I get, I guess you, because you know the killings are happening side, you're a little biased and being like, that's not going to do anything. But even from their perspective, you're getting the phone calls inside. You're kind of all alone in your house. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure that that really didn't do anything to, to protect them either. Cause I don't know. It, again, I, I think all the decisions the cops made were kind of dumb and didn't really help. But <laughs> I mean, they yeah. were like, there's a cop outside. You don't have to worry. And then the next shot is the creepy boyfriend, like still watching them from behind. The yeah. Tree. Right. And I'm like, yeah, know, that cop right? doesn't do shit. He's paying attention for sure. He'll, he'll keep an eye out. <laughs> that cop was good at his job. He'd be tasing that dude right now. I know. Just like, Hey, what's up, man? What are you Eventually, doing he even got killed didn't he did it show that the cop with his neck so he didn't even see the kill coming (laughs) it has a gun useless dude well like here's the thing i'm thinking about that i'm like okay didn't the killer come through the front of the house (laughs) 
And didn't wouldn't he have to come through the front door or something? Yeah. This cop, so like this cop full watch the killer walk out the front door and up to his cop car to yeah. slice his throat and still let it happen. He just, hey there, bud, what you doing? Oh, hey there, neighbor. <laughs> hey there, neighborino. It's <laughs> so yeah, that that definitely was also. I thought it was very dumb that they're like her this this girl who's been through a traumatic experience and she's passed out don't take her to the hospital but the dad take him <laughs> yeah. to the hospital let's leave her behind again before sweeping the entire house let's leave her alone in here. it was probably peter we don't have time in a moment of desperation she had to kill her boyfriend with a fire poker but we'll just put her to bed i know right <laughs> people go outside what can I say? She's in hysterics. Just put her to bed. Just put her to bed. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I did. I did find that ridiculous. I'm like, okay guys. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I mean, I don't think there are decisions that don't make sense to me. I feel like these girls are kind of doing the best they can, but they just sure. have like, how are they supposed to know it's some creep in the attic, you know? Right. All they really have is like the phone calls and they don't really have. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of like they don't have any more information to act anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, like the people that's easiest to criticize are the cops. I feel like they're like not doing the easy things to do that would Mm -hmm. get this killer caught. Um, As far as like the girls, they're just living their best lives trying to mm-hmm. get abortions and uh eating hot chips you know typical girl stuff how are they supposed to know there's some wackadoo up in the attic that's gonna kill them mm-hmm. i mean there could be a wackadoo in my attic trying to kill me how would i know you know <laughs> if Just... lanson's in my attic i don't even know um i am also in a rocking chair right now so <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good evening, Emily Ann. It's Billy. <laughs> Billy boy. Oh it, man. Yeah, it's hard yeah, to cri- the- yeah, hard to criticize the girls. I feel like for the most part, yeah, they did good. Like and all the kills were pr- just absolutely by surprise. There's abs- like I don't know, especially Barb, there's nothing to do about that. Uh, yeah. what's her face saw the body and I guess she could have just been like nope and just got down the ladder and ran away but she was in shock she heard like I don't know I I also can't really fault that as well you probably could be a yeah, little Mrs. quicker Mac. but yeah Mrs. Mack I, I think I think uh, that was hard to avoid as well yeah and they set up that the door is really hard to open so when Jess can't get out the door and she has yeah, to go they to the basement yeah I felt like that was yeah good enough decision i honestly i even agree with her decision to kill the boyfriend because like he's acting off like like he's the killer even if he's not the killer the fact that he's like breaking the window to like get to her he's probably gonna kill her like he's like he probably is a killer he's just not the killer you know yeah Yeah. he's like can you imagine if there was like (laughs) if the, the reveal of this movie was like yeah peter is going to kill her, but he's not the killer. <laughs> he's killed before, yeah. but yeah. So, like, 
absolutely made the right choice to beat that dude to death with a fire poker. That guy was a psycho. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, so it's like I from at least with the girls, I can't think of anything that I'm like, oh, could have been smarter on that one. I genuinely mm-hmm. think it's just like the stuff the cops do. I'm like, I feel like you guys oh, yeah. aren't even trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they even find like because Claire, the first girl, is in the mm-hmm. attic. So obviously they don't find her, but another girl had gone mm-hmm. missing and they find her body. You think they would have like doubled down on some stuff with the sorority? Because yeah. that's two girls missing, one body found. Mm-hmm. But no, they're like, yeah. they're like, well, I don't know. It's probably, probably Tony, not connected. Tony's still in the car out front. He's got it covered. I think <laughs> Tony's the Tony best. He's his, good. <laughs> he's the best man we have on the force. Just eating his pizza rolls. This this is the seventies, so they're probably like Tony's our favorite. He does racist impressions at Christmas. <laughs> we love yeah. him. We we love him. Um, he gets he gets a four hundred one k. Good guy, good guy. Oh man, but yeah, I think I think those are all good points. Of you know, a lot of it is decisions about you know the cops just kind of really dropping the ball on that one throughout the movie. Um, so yeah, I feel like unless there's anything else anybody wanted to bring up, I feel like that's a good covering of the characters. Sweet. So now, now we get into the good stuff, the championship rounds. This is where we go over final boy and final girl status. <laughs> He's getting his karate ready. Oh, sheesh. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, usually uh, if you haven't heard that term before, final girl, final boy, final girl, it's uh, final boy is you're almost the last one to make it out of the horror movie, but then you get killed. Like you're the last one to get killed. And then final girl is, you know, either by luck, by wit, by whatever the circumstances are, you're able to make it through the entire horror movie. You're, you survive. So why don't we start with final boy status? Adam, I'll kick it over to you based on what we've been talking about. Would you give yourself final boy status? I'd like to define this a little because if I'm thinking about it, it's yes. like I get final boy status in this movie by threatening my girlfriend. <laughs> right. Yeah. That asshole of a boyfriend was the final boy. You're telling me to get final boy status in this movie. I got to stop drinking my respect women juice. <laughs> no guess can I'm, do. Guess I'm dying early, bro. <laughs> How brave. I, uh, <laughs> Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to say I live in this sorority house. And because I think if you don't, you absolute (laughs) dog, just, you know, just live there in the attic. Not a big deal. Um, (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Because if you're not in the sorority house, you're fine. Because, well, there was. There was a child that got killed, not in the sorority house. Remember her? Which remember we never the, saw. Remember the child death that we never brought up? And it never got talked about really what really happened. That's another just ambiguity thing, but I don't know. I, I'm just going to say pretty much if you're not in that sorority house, you're okay. Like if you're just not in that area, maybe on that block, just to be super safe, you're fine. So I'm assuming I live in the sorority house and will I make it through the killings? Um. I think I'll give it to myself. I think uh, one, I'd be able to hear the guy coming from a mile away because he has some 
I'm going to say he is some, I'm not a psychologist. I'm going to say he's got some schizophrenia, something going on where there's some psychosis going on. He's, he's disconnected from reality and he's walking down the hall and he's talking to himself. He's bumping into things. He's calling out for Agnes. I'm going to hear him. I'm going to either get out of there or I'm going to attack him. And I think uh, because he's so disconnected from reality that, that I could, I could best him in those moments. I'm kind of getting final glory status here. So I'll stop there, but I'm saying, I, I think I'd be able to survive if I was in the house, at least a final boy. Very nice. And Luke, do you think you would give yourself final boy status? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, uh, I mean, first, like the first big key thing is all of the girls in the sorority who went home for Christmas totally missed all of these That's events. True. Mm-hmm. Not to say I always go home for Christmas, but like, I, I'll give myself at least a 50% chance. I went home for Christmas. Didn't none, none of this happened to me. Um, and I also think, like Adam said, this this guy is a little off his rocker, clearly has IBS. So, like, the, you know, there's only so much. It's only so much punishment this guy can take before he's down for the count. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, comes yeah, down yeah. to a physical confrontation. I think, you know, I you think even- I this guy's, you know, like I can run away and this guy's got the runs. So, like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, I think I'm taking care of business either way. Um, oh, he's taking care of business every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I give my I give myself final boy status in in this movie. Uh, what about you, Lance? And what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I I kind of look at it with two different outcomes. I would give myself final boy status. I think for me, especially when it's like winter break and you get done with the semester, like I just don't even want to be around college. Like I'm just out of there. So you know, I would have no reason to be like sweet this place that i've lived at for four months straight let me hang out there you know i would uh even if it's not seeing family i would just like want to get out of town and just do something you know just to unwind a little bit so i probably wouldn't even be there um and number two i mean i feel like i'm i'm that person that like especially at the nighttime i'm like okay that's like a jacket on a doorknob what's that that's somebody that's going to try to kill me like I'm, I'm so anxious at night. So like even just the slightest, you know, little creak of the floorboards and like him just unleashing demons into a, you know, a toilet bowl, <laughs> I'd probably be like, what's this all about? Now I know for a fact, none of the girls here have irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, but this yeah. guy, there's an imposter among us. Yeah. Some guy um, just going super sane on the porcelain. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> get the baby. <laughs> Me, yeah. Billy. I'm uh, Billy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like I would just be somewhat of more more aware of like, hey, there's a weird sound coming from the attic. I'm either gonna like inspect this, just throw a grenade in there, hope for the best, hope it's not a cat. Or, you know, just leave the house. So that's uh, that's me. That's what I would do in that situation. All right. Now for the championship belt for all the marbles in the marble bag. Adam, would you give yourself final girl status? I would. Heck yes. I would. Uh, and here's how. So 
I definitely stay home for Christmas because, you know, I like being uh, home uh, alone, especially if I lived in a sorority and I'm surrounded by girls and there's all this partying <laughs> going on. Sometimes oh, you just need yeah. you just need a you need a break. Um, and so I know this guy's in the attic, though, almost immediately. I hear some things going on upstairs. And I'm like, there's someone in the attic. I. Again, I'm going to assume I'm the character. So I'm a woman. I know that the cops aren't going to take me seriously. I know my boyfriend's an asshole, so he's not going to help me. I'm like, okay, I got to take it upon myself. And so I go and I pull out my favorite holiday movie, uh, Home Alone, and I pop it in (laughs) to get some good ideas. And I booby trap the shit out of the house, especially around the attic area. I put down some marbles. I got some paint cans on strings. I got stuff going on. I got a pet tarantula with a slingshot that I'm about to get him with. He's going to come down mumbling his things and I'm going to get the sucker. I'm going to, I'm going to wreck him pretty good. And uh, then, yeah, then I call the cops and be like, Hey, come pick him up. Very nice. I like it. Luke. Do you think that you would give yourself final girl status for this movie? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give myself final girl status. Uh, you see, my fa- I'm also going to take a little bit of wisdom from my favorite Christmas movie. It's a movie, it's kind of a lesser known indie you guys may not have heard of called Die Hard. But basically, as soon as the first girl goes missing, I know something's up. So I'm going to be in the air vents. I'm going to be <laughs> all over the place. Pretty soon, it's going to be a horror movie for Billy <laughs> as he discovers notes left by me that says stuff like, ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, at the end of the night, I drop him from the top of Nakatomi Plaza as he plummets to his death. Oh man, That escalated. Just... I, I don't know how. I love that. I love that. I'm to just imagining. I love it. Hey, you know, I'm just imagining the uh, the drive from the sorority to Nakatomi Plaza. You got him <laughs> in the trunk. You're just <laughs> listening to Christmas hymns. Silent <laughs> night. The oh, thing man, of, I love this time of year. It's gonna snow. The thing about my movie is like the actual conflict between me and Billy takes about five minutes, and then it's like hours and hours of like a road trip movie. <laughs> Where he's like tied up and gagged and I'm having a great holiday drive to Nakatomi Plaza. And then the last five minutes, there's like another little like scrape between me and him. He almost escapes, but then I throw him off the top and it's it's very heartwarming. I mean, I get my family back, which is like really important to me. So it's actually nice. really heartwarming Christmas movie. Heck yeah, man. I love it. I would watch that movie. You probably have. <laughs> no that no that doesn't sound familiar i'd remember a movie like that <laughs> oh goodness so it may surprise you um i will give myself final girl status and no way are you, you serious yeah <laughs> no way this is such a surprise how did this even happen this is uh, this is how you know it's christmas time all of us survive i mean i know it's a present to ourself underneath the tree and and our audience they get to they get to hear some amazing amazing content so there you go um so yeah a little bit about me i am a character in this movie i'm the the kindly plumber that you know mrs mac has relied on me for many a year to you know 
kind of just, you know, fix stuff around the house, whether it's the pipes or whether it's a little bit of like the HVAC unit or whatever it needs to be done. Hold on, hold on. You're a plumber for a sorority house. I'm pretty sure you're also taking this from a movie. Probably like 17,000 of them. No. No, I'm not. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm just your average plumber who's here to lay some pipe. I'm also an astronaut and maybe a doctor, but that's beside the point. Um, but little does Mrs. Mac know that I'm actually a killer. Not not in the uh, not in the I guess kind of in the serial killer sense, but uh, this is '74, um, so I've just gotten back from my tour of duty from Vietnam, and I'm pretty messed up, man. Like I got some, I got I got napalm on me. Can't can't get that smell off me. Hey. It's, you know? it's Billy's fault. He drew first blood. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, when I, <laughs> when I smell, you know, my training, I can smell the scent of an evil human being. And especially I can smell the scent of a very smelly man. Like I, I clock it when she's like, Hey, can you come over? Like somebody has been like just destroying our pipes. We got to like figure this out, man. And so I walk in the house. Mm, there's another man here. And so, what I do is I, I play it off like I don't see him. It's all good, you know, just like, okay, yeah, we'll just fix this. Got it. Snake the drain a little bit. Got got the got the toilet unclogged because it had been clogged for a couple days. And yeah, so anyway, I uh, what I do is uh, I tap their phone and start listening in. And I listened that Billy, you know, I, I figure out his name is Billy and that he's making the obscene phone calls. And so from that, I'm like, I got my my tripod, got my rifle set up from the building across and I call. And I'm like, and, and I make sure that, you know, it's it's when Billy's going to get on the phone. I'm like, hey, Billy, come to the window. And then, yeah, I just, you know, take the shot. It's about two clicks out. Just, yeah. So. Yes, I would survive this movie because, you know, I am just a lowly plumber who is a trained assassin. So, you know, for a second, I thought you learning his name had nothing to do with anything. It was just like a weirdly sadistic part of the whole thing where it's like I listen into the phone calls, find out his name's Billy, and then I shoot him in the head. <laughs> I want to know Merry my Christ- kill. Merry Christmas, Billy. He's sitting in the rocking chair now. <laughs> oh, shoot. So there you have it, folks. That is that is another episode of Final Boy Status brought to you by the lovely, lovely gentleman of the Final Boys. Man, I thought Seven. you were about to drop a sponsor. You're like, brought to you by Colgate or something. <laughs> like, uh, brought sorry. to you by ESPN <laughs> Sports Center Play of the Day. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? They sue us. Who cares? <laughs> they got free publicity. They should be thanking us. The millions of people that listen to this podcast, those ingrates. You're welcome. <laughs> they have not sent us a cent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, this is usually where we have time to kind of give shout outs and give plugs for maybe stuff that's going on in our lives. Do you guys have anything that you'd like to shout out or draw attention to? for our audience before we wrap up got some look uh, i do yeah i i've actually had a decent amount of spare time recently 
and I've made a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm just going to put it on my YouTube channel. I don't know when exactly it'll be out. So follow me on Twitter and I'll tweet as soon as the stuff goes on my, well, you could do two things. You could uh, subscribe to me on YouTube and you'll automatically have those videos pop up and they uh, in your feed as they're dropped, or you can follow me on Twitter and I'll tweet uh, when I drop those videos. You can also just follow me on Twitter because I like to tell jokes on there and have a fun time. Uh, uh, here's the thing though. When I tweet a joke, don't tweet Spider-Man spoilers at me. I feel like that's not, that's not a lot to ask for, but apparently it's too much to ask for that. I tweet one joke and people decide let's tweet Spider-Man spoilers at Luke. Uh, but yeah, find me on Twitter. It's at Luke Howiter. That's L U K E H A U E T E R at Luke Howiter. I got some plugs. Uh, I am on Twitch. I do gaming and talk about movies. So come watch me play some spoopy games um, and talk about any movies, not just spoopy. Um, <clears throat> I'm on Twitch at Indie Adam Bones. Indie Adam Bones. Uh, and then uh, you can also follow me on YouTube. Uh, just Adam Bone. Um, I post some of my highlights there and I'm on TikTok, uh, also in the Adam Bones, where I also post some of my highlights from the streams. So very nice. And uh, outside of this podcast, I don't really have a life. So I'm just going to plug this podcast. Final Boy Status. We have a lot of fun doing it. Um, we're grateful that we've we've got to make season two. This is our our final episode for season two. But uh we got some more stuff coming your way, so stay tuned. And as always, you know, this is a podcast that's on Spotify. Basically, anywhere you're going to find your your music or your podcasts, that's where you can find us, Final Voice Status. Um, so, yeah, thank you, guys. Um, have a happy holiday. You know, be safe out there, and we oh, yeah. will catch you next time. I've, I forgot. We didn't even say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, oh, yes. everybody. Merry Chrysler. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> merry christmas and happy holidays if you do not celebrate the the c word (laughs) we're no better than billy up in here kill us kill us all bye see you This has been an underqualified Idiocracy Media production, produced by Lanson Lappin, Adam Bone, and Luke Houter. You can find additional content and final boy status updates on the YouTube channel for Underqualified Idiocracy Media. Uncut and extended episodes are available at patreon.com slash lukehouter. Theme music was written by Rachel Robison. You can hear more of Rachel's music at rachelrobisonmusic.com. You can also find her work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Robel Racheson. Temporary artwork provided by Luke Howder and Lewis Conrad. This podcast was recorded in underqualified studios and edited by Luke Howder with special thanks to Mike Fuchs for providing audio assistance. The illustrious voice acting providing the intro and outro to this episode is Shane Alvey of the Paradox Files Voice Acting. You can explore more of his work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at The Paradox Files. Thank you for tuning in. And never say, I'll be right back.